Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Tuesday, December 27th, 2022. I'm John Podhortz, the editor of Commentary Magazine. With me, as always, executive editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Media commentary columnist and American Enterprise Institute fellow Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. And associate editor and author of The Rise of the New Puritans, Noah Rothman. Hi, John. Hello. Sorry, I forgot to say hi, Noah. That's okay. I know. I can hello uh, because I was already thinking about how I'm going to transition into talking about today's uh, best of picks or end of year picks or fun things that you should do in relation to television. Because here we are, it is peak TV, 600 or something series now uh, between broadcast television, cable television, and streaming television. Um, and apparently, we're about to go through a long dark night of the soul because uh, stock prices cratered on the on the streaming and everybody's getting fired and everybody's revisiting and they're basically taking streaming services and turning them into TV, which is to say they're going to have commercials and it's, you know, everything you liked about the streaming services is going to be removed from you. So you can watch ads and you won't be able to binge watch and do all of that. So that's what people in the industry are concerned about. And who cares? Because the whole point is, is there something to watch that you like to watch? The friend, do friends of yours tell you that there's something good to watch? And so we're going to talk about things that we like that we think you should watch. And chances are you haven't watched any of them because there are so many things that unless you watch like the single most popular thing of the year, whatever that is, I think it's Wednesday on on Netflix has now turned out to be the most popular streaming series in Netflix's history or something. You may not have watched it. By the way, Wednesday's bad. Don't watch it don't like it okay um abe you have the i would say the most obscure of our of our picks so you should go first because you can really introduce people to something exciting this is this is why i'm choosing this one there's insufficient buzz for a change around something but it's it's actually already come and gone but it is it's recent uh, uh and i'm talking about a show that was uh, on fx but available on hulu called Mr. In-Between. Uh, there were three seasons. It ran from 2018 to 2021. It is a comedy drama, more drama than comedy, I'd say, about an Australian hitman um, starring Scott Ryan, starring and written by Australian actor, writer Scott Ryan. Um, so it's a kind of has a sort of a very lean auteur feel. Um, this is very much his his vision based on a, a, a 2005 movie he made called The Magician about this hitman character. Um, I went back and watched The Magician after I watched all three seasons of this because I couldn't get enough. And I, when I realized that there was something else to watch to see the sort of genesis of this, I, 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 you know, I couldn't wait. Turns out The Magician is not that good. It's very sort of film schooly. But, but if you end up as addicted to Mister In Between as I was, you will also end up going out and and and, and watching this as well. Um, it is very dark. He uh, is a hitman with an adorable little daughter and he is divorced and he's some kind of psychopath, a, a sort of a different kind of um, lovable psychopath from, say, uh, Tony Soprano. But similar to the extent that they are both human and monster Um and uh, the and this plays with that tension in an entirely different way, and um, the Australianness of the show um, is is delightful and strange uh, and sort of 
worked into all the violence in the culture uh, in in this sort of um, delectable way. And I, I really loved it really because it is just so lean. Um, it, there's nothing bloated about it. You, you, you get in and out each episode. Uh, you sort of can't believe what you just saw. And then, and then it sets you up for the next one. And, and because it was three stories, three seasons um, in Scott Ryan's mind, uh, he ended it um, the way he wanted to. So there's the, it's one of those where the entire three seasons have this overarching has have, have this complete arc and really do work as a, as a complete piece. Can I, can I just point out that um, popular culture loves hitmen? If there were as many hitmen in the world as there have been in movies and television, like people would just be like dropping from bullets fired from rooftops and, you know, with long range scopes, like right in front of you, everywhere you go, like this right, is there's Barry, a, right? Barry is a whole well, other series. Barry, but I mean, there were there were in the '90s. There was a period of like five or six years, late '90s, early 2000s, when there were movie after movie about the hitman who who had no feelings and then somehow falls in love with somebody and gross. It point. replaced the hooker with the heart of gold. It's the hitman with the heart of gold. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, it is interesting that this is this trope is just so popular, um, you know, because um, there probably really aren't that many hitmen uh, in the world is is my guess. But you know who was a hitman, and then we can move on, who actually had a father who was an actual hitman is Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson... Academy Award nominated actor, brilliant actor, first season of uh of uh uh True Detective. Anyway, really his father uh, either just died or is serving a life sentence in a Texas prison for killing a judge uh who was uh presiding over a drug trial and he was hired to kill the judge and he was caught. He did it. And he's so there is an actual son of a hitman who is a world famous actor that has nothing to do with Mr. In Between, now available on Hulu. <laughs> so, um, Noah, you interestingly enough are, um, are, are going to uh speak to the uh, in, the sort of amazing phenomenon of the last two years, which is the is the return of the kind of journalistic docudrama. Yeah, I guess so. Um, 2022 is the year of the grift in entertainment, um, which speaks a lot to our our culture. But there, I don't know if there's anything this year that I really loved, but there were two things I, I, I liked, and they're of a piece, so I'll bring them both to the table. The first is, uh, I believe it was Netflix's Inventing Anna, which is the story of um, Anna Sorkin, uh, Anna Delvey. Anna should call herself. She went by Anna Delvey and created this and this was actually this is these are all journalistic products that were you know adapted for the screen. And it was an interesting dive into this woman who created this um, persona for herself as this heiress and, and managed to navigate uh, and gain entry into some of the most rarefied atmospheres in New York City. Uh, and and she's played in this uh, in this um, uh, series by Julia Garner, who's a fantastic actress. Just, illuminating she's she she's water she fits into whatever role she 
she's put into and just becomes that character. You might know her more from um, the Netflix uh, drama with Jason Bateman. Walking on Ozark, yeah. right. Uh, and she's just spectacular in this. And the second, um, which is very similar, similar themes, uh, is The Dropout, which was on Hulu, which is the uh, the John Carrier uh, story of uh, Theranos. And that is uh, Amanda Seyfried, I believe. Seyfried. 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 Is that how you pronounce her name? And she she turns in an even better performance in um, in this. And I found them both very enjoyable. It's, it's sort of background television, but very enjoyable performances uh, about a particularly interesting feature of our modern life, which is this millennial grifter character. Um, I also wa- tried to watch the WeWork one, but that's not as good. No, not nearly as good. Also, briefly, I want to put in a good word for Wednesday, because Wednesday is actually a very enjoyable piece of television, again, as background television, with the exception of the fact that Luis Guzman as Gomez Adams is probably the worst casting decision that has ever been made in the history yeah of casting the man is no raul julia but it is it's certainly an enjoyable be. experience who could be raul julia my maybe next to walter matthew my single favorite actor in in like in world history raul julia who was of course gomez in the two adams family movies of the 1990s and Luis guzman is an interesting actor but he is terrible but i don't like the show but i'm glad no it, it's good we have a dispute can I, can, I point, I think, yeah. can I just point out something about Noah's Choices and why maybe you didn't like the WeWork one? The WeWork was about a kind of overinflated e- male ego grifter, but it's the female grifters who always tend to have better success in worlds yeah. that are male dominated. And in both of those cases, um, particularly Theranos, that was that was the story. And it's fascinating. And I, I thought Amanda Seyfried's performance was incredible, too. It's a great great show okay now here we have real i'm now gonna footnote like crazy obscurity so i want to i want to praise commend we work star jared leto for an absolutely sensationally good israeli accent which is not that easy it's to called do. we crashed by the way if you're looking we crashed that. the show's called we crashed so he plays adam neumann the the head of we work and he really does an absolutely spectacularly good Israeli accent. And you know that it's not that easy to do because Adam Sandler tried to do one in 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 Don't Mess with the Zohan. And I love Adam Sandler and I like that movie. And his accent was terrible. Um, and it's so uh so that's one thing. And the other Israeli footnote I have to make is the Julia Garner, who plays this hillbilly, literally a hillbilly on Ozark, this a very smart, very deft, very clever um very brutal hillbilly girl from from you know from the sticks um is actually the uh grew up in riverdale new york part of the bronx uh and her mother is israeli so she's half and so we have half israeli julia garner playing this you know winning emmys for playing this hillbilly on ozark and now and then playing anna sorokin um and uh and jared leto doing a great israeli accent so i that's that's my that's my jewish content for 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 today um, can i just say yes i didn't i couldn't stick i couldn't stand in there with uh the anna show it lost me i loved me it really i didn't like it i yeah. didn't like it um, there's some, it, it, it's a sort of netflix tick where i think they lead you down too many winding paths and wear out wear out your patience it's a long falling action I'll give yeah. you that. But I um uh I sort of weirdly enough, I think it is interesting this the the grifter stuff, and we have this new grifter story, this amazing story about Congressman Santos 
from Long Island who apparently uh, may not even be named Santos and mysteriously has hundreds of thousands of dollars pouring into his bank accounts and claims to have degrees he doesn't have. And as somebody said, it's like the talented Mr. Ripley is now in Congress or was about to be sworn into Congress. <clears throat> so, yeah, it is. It, it's interesting that grifts work now because all you got to do is Google people and then, you know, you're immediately suspicious if no, if someone doesn't have any kind of an internet footprint and you should be, but apparently that, that doesn't really work in some of these cases. Christine, what do you have for everybody? Well, I am, um, I'm a late adopter of everything. So I only just got Hulu this year after Abe had been recommending so many shows that I was like, you can only get those on Hulu. And I was also a late adopter to the network that I, or to the service Apple TV uh, that had both of the shows uh, that I liked this year. Actually, one I liked and one I love. The one I liked was Severance, which uh, came out earlier in, early in the year in 2022, um, which sort of sci-fi but really more a psychological thriller um adam scott who is the star is amazing but there are these incredible performances by people like john turturro christopher walken and the conceit is that you can completely divide your work life from your home life and not and, and separate them physiologically so that you never have to live in both at the same time. And it, it just struck me initially. I was like, oh, wow, it's like a commentary on work life balance. But it turns into this much more dramatic thing. Uh, Patricia Arquette also turns in a, in a marvelous performance. So I really enjoyed that. A new season, I think, is coming out next year. Um, it's pretty dark. So it's it's definitely you, you finish each episode feeling sort of like a little piece of your soul has gone missing. But it's 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 really well done. But the show I truly loved. Is well, let's slow stop there. Let's oh, yeah, stop sure. there before you get to the show you love, because yeah. Severance is maybe the best. Is a, is a, is a show that stands and falls, weirdly enough, on its production design mm -hmm. and yes, the look of amazing. the show. So it is this abstracted um office, office park yeah office park and uh nobody and when you go down in the elevator you show up for work you go down in the elevator and as you're in the elevator you forget your you the are. rest of your yeah. life is shut down and you simply become this worker bee in this uh maze and you don't really know what you're doing and why mm -hmm. you're doing it. And you're, you're part of a team. This, so there's other people around team, who are but you're, you're, severed. you're working yes. at these like early, like the, like the, oh, the first Apple computer basically. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're trying like to rudimentary, rudimentary data entry, something yeah. weird. You never really quite find out what's going on. And um, it is just amazing looking and it's mm -hmm. so haunting looking and particularly uh, one of these things that it came along at a surreally appropriate time because, of course, everyone had started, people stopped going to their offices. And this is kind of an interesting way of the making dystopian it clear. Office, you would never yeah. want to go back to your office again. <laughs> um, also, anyway, but it is it is a very... Um, and by the way, the other thing that's great about this puzzle box show is that it doesn't leave you hanging. No. I mean, there's stuff that isn't resolved, but in fact, the last episode of the nine is fantastic. Right. And it's and a it, slow reveal. Yeah. It's, it's a slow it's, reveal. Yeah. And and most of the time when we had these experiences over the last 15 years with the puzzle box shows, really starting with Lost, they just they they so disappoint you. And they just leave you hanging. It's like, you know, it's it's such a con. And this one really doesn't yeah. con you. And it's yeah. very 
impressive in that way. Okay, so get on to the show you love. Oh, so the show I love is Slow Horses, also on Apple TV. And I will have to issue my disclaimer that I have that I nothing Gary Oldman does can can he can do no wrong in my book. I mean, this guy was like trained to the Royal Shakespeare Company. He played Sid Vicious. He played Lee Harvey Oswald. He's I mean, he's played Dracula. I mean, he can do anything. He's amazing. I love him. And in this one, he plays this washed up MI5 agent. Um, he described himself, I think, as like uh, he had a great phrase for uh, when he was interviewed about the part. He called it like he's a flatulent slob named Jackson Lamb. Um, and he runs Slough House, which is where all the kind of washed up or or uh, agents, agents who've kind of done something dumb but can't be totally cashiered and have to be kept on the payroll are just stuck in this, you know, really seedy place in an in unpopular part of London. Still in MI5, but basically the main office and, and the leader at MI5, who's, who gets the most airtime, played by Kristen Scott Thomas, who's wonderful. Um, they just it's, it's like your horrible relative you don't want to see except once a year. But they keep popping up and kind of getting involved and uncovering things. And but but the whole show really is is about Gary Oldman's performance, which is subtle and just he's completely reveling in this character and he's it's just mesmerizing to watch and the supporting roles the supporting character is also very good i will warn you they kill people off with with abandon in this show so don't don't commit your heart to any particular character because they're they might not make it to the to the third or fourth episode but it's just wonderful and i, I mean i love british spy drama anyway but this is kind of a very modernized but but um a very fresh approach to it that i've i've just been enjoying a lot i love Slow Horses. There are two seasons. The first season, six episodes, it's done. The second season is rolling out. I think the fourth of six episodes just released on, on Friday. Um, it's like a jauntier, lighter, more comic version of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yes. Yeah. Is is a is a and yeah. Gary Oldman was in the really yes, bizarre movie that. version of Tinker Tailor, but a very strange, mm -hmm. very dead, very strange movie. But basically, it's this world of misfit toys. And one guy who is not a misfit toy, who is a brilliant agent, who has been cashiered to this place for reasons he and we do not yet don't fully know yet. understand right. or appreciate. And there is who's, also whose grandfather or his grandfather, his grandfather was like head of was MI5. Head of MI5. Like, yeah. So played by Jonathan and, but Price. But somehow, right? yeah. yeah, Jonathan Price was also an yeah. astonishing actor. And this guy, Jack Loudon, who plays the and is like the not Gary Oldman flat. He is like he's beautiful, incredibly good <laughs> he's looking, <a> beautiful man, <laughs> fun and like lively and like a real like could be James Bond. And he's like trapped in this dump where he has to go through garbage to look for things and stuff like that. Anyway, it's really a delightful show and it's doing it also resolves its plot like there are apparently six slow, slow horses or slough house novels and the first one which is slow horses is the first season and the second one is the second season it will go on like that apparently so that it resolves itself but then there are these sort of like what abe said about the arc on on mr in between there are these longer term mysteries what is jackson lamb doing there why is he there because he's obviously a brilliant agent why did jackson lamb what what happened to this guy who we see get killed in a bathtub right uh, a lot of flashbacks to his death a lot of flashbacks and there, so there are there are mysteries that are going to stretch over the course of the hopefully six books or mm -hmm. six seasons that this will happen so it is great those are two great 
choices, I I applaud them. And Apple Apple's batting average, Apple TV's batting average is un, just unbelievably high. Yeah. Um, of course, it can pick and choose. It's the most successful company in the world, and this is kind of a sideline for it. But but um, you know, with this and Coda, which was the best picture of twenty, which is Coda is an amazing, glorious movie, yeah. piece yeah. of work. Apple is kind of amazing. Okay, I'm I'm going with um, eighteen eighty three, which is on Paramount Plus. So eighteen eighty three is the prequel to Yellowstone. It is the origin story of how the Dutton family, which is the family that we know from Yellowstone, headed by Kevin Costner, how the how how the Duttons get to uh, Montana and how they uh, how they, how they end up there, and it starts in El Paso, Texas. Um, and it's the story of a wagon train, uh, that is mostly populated by, uh, Czech or Bohemian and German speaking immigrants who come to Texas and they're going to wagon train up to get their 40 acres and a mule and, uh, and how everything goes wrong. Uh, and the guides who are leading them, who are Sam Elliott and Tim McGraw and Tim McGraw's wife, Faith Hill, um, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill are spectacular in the show as is Sam Elliott. And the, it's a story of, this is probably what happened on a lot of these drives. The immigrants show up, they have too much stuff. Uh, their wagons are getting, are getting, you know, sort of like mired in mud and they can't get it out. They have pianos, they have brake fronts, they have furniture, um, and it's just about, and then they get crosswise of Native Americans, bandits approach them. And and it again, we're now back in the, it's very dark. It is dark. It's also thrilling. It's also moving. It has one great flaw, which is hard to overlook, but I'm going to try to tell you to overlook it because it is a spectacular piece of television. There's a narration by uh that is just awful like the 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 begins and ends with this uh, 18 year old girl character narrating talking like this we came to texas on and there's a lot of like pompous portentous talk and it's enough to make you want to turn it off don't because it is just immensely powerful and and epic and it is like it's like how hard it was to settle the country how how what what kinds of sacrifices people had to make to try to get their piece of the american pie and it it's um and it's really just a a, a beautiful piece of television so um that's my that's my recommendation so that that's yellowstone we got the dropout and inventing anna we got mr in between and we got severance and slow horses for you so if you haven't watched any of them, watch them all, watch a couple, don't watch any, do whatever you want. But that's what we like. And we'll be back tomorrow. And we'll be talking about movies, which is not so easy because nobody goes to the movies anymore, including us. And I am a movie critic, so that's where you really know that it's bad. But we'll 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 labor to come up with some including things that didn't come out this year. We'll we'll, you know, Abe is like Mr. Criterion Collection. TCM Criterion Channel guy, so he's he watches stuff. Hey, retro recommendations are good on our. Show. Listen, That's a, a, good thing. A, I I used to think that I had seen every movie ever made. Abe's like, hey, did you ever see 
Edge of Silence from 1960. Blast of Silence. Blast of Silence. I'm like, no, what is that? It was, it was, it's this crazy low budget film noir filmed in 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 Greenwich Village and Soho before Soho was anything, and it is really kind of startling. But Abe Abe has now outdistanced me on the obscurity factor. Yeah, but you have the advantage in that you remember everything you see, and I forget everything. I don't remember anything anymore. I just realized I was having a conversation with somebody and I realized. No, here's what happened. I'm sorry, and then I'll, we'll go. We, uh, I was, I had the TV on, and Shaft with Samuel L. Jackson comes on. So Shaft, a remake of the 1972 black exploitation picture Shaft about a, uh, about a detective, a Times Square detective, and um, and I'm watching it, and I realize about an hour into it that I, I'd seen it. I saw it already. And I literally had no memory of it, but I suddenly had this flash of memory because this is before my, where I met my wife of going to see it on a date with somebody. But I, but even though strange I strange choice remember, for a date night, but yes, go on. <laughs> I think it was her choice. Anyway, I, the even though I remembered that I had seen it, and that I because of this memory of this date or whatever, and I was watching, I still had no memory of it. It's a movie that I literally had no memory of whatsoever, even though I know that I'd seen it. And even being reminded of having seen it, I still didn't have any memory of. And maybe I was right because it's extremely unmemorable. Was that interesting? Probably not. Anyway, we'll we'll be back tomorrow. Wait. I did not take a pause to tell you guys about our friends at FIRE. So let's let's hear from our friends at FIRE. Do you know only one in three Americans believes we can fully exercise our free speech rights? That's why FIRE is stepping up to protect freedom of expression for all Americans, no matter where you're from or what you believe. The Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, or FIRE, knows free speech makes free people. FIRE will always be a principled, nonpartisan, nonprofit defender of your rights, Join the fight for free speech at www.thefire.org. And I don't want to mire our friends at fire, like with the, you know, with, with, with uh, you know, have this happening. And then we just like, we just en- end things. So I'm going to mention one last series that Noah could not believe that I said that I liked. So maybe we'll get a look. I liked She-Hulk the Marvel series, She-Hulk, which is basically a crazy comedy about a lawyer who is the cousin of the Hulk who somehow gets her blood commingled with the Hulks and then can become a Hulk. Only in her case, she can choose to turn it off and turn it on. She is not controlled by her rages or anger. She just turns into a giant green monster or doesn't, and she's not just a giant. And she becomes the lawyer for superheroes who are being sued for their superhero actions and the damages that they do by ambulance chasing lawyers and people who want some kind of a settlement. And it's a romantic comedy and it's kind of a crazy comedy about new ageism and this weird cult, this new age cult that she gets involved with. And I thought it was really funny. And the final episode of it is like Bugs Bunny meta where the character of She-Hulk gets angry at the way the plot is going 
and steps out of the show and then goes and visits the head of Marvel to complain about how bad the special effects are and how why why does there have to be a big fight at the end of every Marvel thing that nobody cares about between two two people who can't get hurt when they punch each other and what the hell is going on here and i thought it was hilarious noah please tell me i'm wrong i didn't get that far but the fact oh. that it addressed all the criticisms of it that are entirely valid and ruined the entire experience for me so special effects are awful it's extremely uh, new agey is a good way of saying you know uh, sort of embeds the woke pieties that annoy me into the script and her hair is wrong. Her hair changes from being curly to straight when she's Hulk and I can't get over it. And it just to me was kind of uh, it left me cold. But the fact that it apparently circles back around and, you know, voices the criticisms of it that you probably only intuit and couldn't even give voice to is clever. Also demonstrates that everybody knew they were making a stinker. <laughs> okay. There are Marvel shows that are stinkers, though. Moon Knight, stinker. That was a stinker. Definitely Let me tell you. That. <laughs> Oscar Isaac as a as a schizophrenic uh, avatar of a Greek god. You don't even want to know. Uh, terrible show. Um, that was bad. Uh, Miss Marvel was kind of bad. So Marvel is not uh, not 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 doing that great in the series thing but apparently they have a massively expensive one with samuel L. jackson coming out called secret invasion but you know ms marvel was funny it wasn't funny i'm sorry she hulk was funny Noah doesn't agree so we can agree to disagree okay so to recap final recap slow horses severance mr in between the dropout inventing anna 1883 and with noah's protest she hulk We'll be back tomorrow for Abe, Christina, and Noah. I'm John Podhoritz. Keep the candle burning.